So the question for the day, why'd he do it? Judas, why'd he do it? I mean, he's been with the rabbi, he's been with his teacher for three days, every day, or three years, every day, they have conversations. He hears the good news. He knows that the kingdom is coming. He knows that this is an unusual individual. He sees things that people have never seen before, not just miracles, but unbelievable things. People are raised from the dead. There is healing. The lame walk. This is a rabbi unlike any that has ever come before. He has compassion like no one ever before him. The crowds are drawn to him like a magnet. So why did he do it? After spending all of this time, well, scholars have been asking that question for centuries, why Judas would betray the Lord. Now, John, the apostle, one of the disciples, he thinks that he knows the answer. It's very simple. It's the oldest motivation of all time. It's simply greed. Show me the cash. Show me the money. Everyone has their price. 30 pieces of silver or whatever it might be. So we have an, an, an occasion where Mary, one of the disciples, comes and she anoints Jesus' feet with perfume, expensive perfume. And so Judas says, why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? After all, it's worth about a year's wages, imagine. A whole year for a bottle of perfume. Now John says he didn't say this, because he cared about the poor. That wasn't it at all. But because he was a thief. As a keeper of the money bag, he helped himself to what was put in it. John said he's only doing it because it's his character. He's a thief. He's a robber. He's only in this for himself. Never underestimate the power of greed. Remember the Enron scandal from a few, few years back? Greed is the motivation for that. What about Bernie Madoff and the Ponzi scheme? Greed is the motivation for that. What about baseball? Anybody baseball fans out there? Are, are you, are you going to watch any games this year? I mean, hey, have you wondered who's the greedier, the, the owners or the players? And not just those who have lots of money, but, well, every single one of us has these dark shadows lurking in our own hearts. How many salesmen, honest individuals, working hard for a living, aren't tempted to maybe cut a few corners? Or taxes are coming up. Anybody got their taxes done? Are you happy about that? Good. Yeah, I put mine off to the very last to, uh, so I don't have so much pain but it eventually comes. And we're all tempted a little bit. Yeah, we know we're supposed to take every legal deduction, but we're wondering, can we do more? Greed is a powerful motivator. Or maybe it's not greed at all. Maybe it's rejection. Did you know that, that Judas is the only one of the 12 who is not from Galilee? No, he's from, he's from the south, from Judea, from Kirioth. Anybody here from the South? I came from Atlanta, right? Texas, right? It's a little different down there. You have a little different view of what's going on up here in the North. Sometimes there is that rejection, and, it may, and not necessarily just geographically, but, 
But maybe you, maybe you've been discriminated against. Maybe you're from the wrong side of the tracks. Maybe from the wrong side of town. Maybe you don't have the right surname. Maybe you're not in with the in people. Judas, maybe he wanted to be part of the three like Peter, James, and John. He got left out. He didn't get to go up to the Mount of Transfiguration. He's not in the inner circle. Maybe it's rejection. Or maybe, you know, he had a different view of the kingdom. Jesus, in his mind, was not supposed to be a heavenly Messiah, but an earthly king. After all, the Romans, they are in occupation. The Jews are not happy about that. And so Judas says, well, here's a leader. Here's a guy who can make a difference. And then he sees that it's not happening, at least not as quickly as he wants. He becomes disillusioned. And he thinks, maybe I can speed things up. You know what? If I betray him, if I push him hard enough, when his life is on the line, surely then he'll rise up and he'll become who he's destined to be. Maybe it's just a twisted attempt to bring about needed change. So why did he do it? Does it matter? (laughs) Does it matter why any of us betray another? What we do know is that Satan entered into Judas. And Satan turned him from a friend to a betrayer. The problem here is that you have a man who is motivated, and yet then, after the betrayal, changes his mind. Have you ever done that? You ever wish that you could take it back? Regrets over your actions? Well, Judas does. It says when Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse. Then he returned the 30 silver coins to the chief priests and elders. I have sinned, he said. For I have betrayed innocent blood. He realizes what he has done. He realizes his mistake. He realizes that betrayal is all about breaking a trust. It's his friend. It's his rabbi. And so for us, we too, we make promises. When it comes to marriage, our partner for life, We promise to be there for them. To forsake all others and to be that husband or wife to that partner for the rest of our life. And then in one moment, in in emotional weakness, we have a flame. And it's like a dagger into the heart of the one that we have loved. And we hurt not only them, but we hurt ourselves. Or maybe it's a friend. You know, that confident that you can tell anything to? And you do? And then they share it. (laughs) And your soul is wounded. Or a colleague at work, someone that you work on projects with, you encourage each other, you support one another, and all along, then you discover that they are after your job, and your soul is wounded. Or maybe it's your organization, your boss, your company taking advantage of you. 
And again, you feel betrayed. So our first question is, why did he do it? Our second is, can you overcome it? Now that there's betrayal, what next? Well, yeah, I mean, Judas had choices here. If the facts are faced, and doesn't he? What does he say? I've sinned. He doesn't try and cover it up. He doesn't make excuses. He doesn't blame someone else. He said, I've sinned. He takes responsibility. I've betrayed innocent blood. And that's where he begins to admit the facts. But then also to confess those facts, to confess that sin to the one we betrayed. So Judas goes to the chief priest. It's kind of like coming here to church. What did we do earlier? We confessed. And what do I do as your pastor? I absolve. I'll let you know that you are forgiven. But what do the priests do? What is it to us? They say, we don't care. We don't care about the money. It's your problem. They are just as guilty as Judas. No, what you need to do, Judas needed to do what King David did. Admit the facts, but confess to the one that you have hurt. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned. Our sins are not only against humans in flesh and blood, but God himself. And we have done what is evil in God's side. So yes, there is hope for the betrayal. There's hope for us. Confess the facts. Confess that you've sinned. And then, change your behavior. But here's the problem. Judas instead does what? He leaves the money, he leaves the temple, and then sadly, he goes out and he takes his life. And there's no opportunity for a change in his behavior. How sad. How sad for Judas, first of all, but also for us and for so many others. Do you know how many people commit suicide each year in America? Before COVID, before a pandemic, the average each year was 765,000 attempts, with 32,000 being successful. Last year, in the midst of the pandemic, there were 45,000 who died for one reason or another. And the really sad part is that our church, the global church, has often condemned those who for whatever reason it might have been took their life. It is the eighth leading cause of death in America, the third leading cause of death among those who are between the ages of 15 and 24. I know a number of people 
in that age group who have died. I have buried a number of people that have died. When I was growing up, it was a taboo in the church. We didn't talk about it. And for those who would die from suicide, there was no burial from the church. There was no comfort for those who were grieving. And today it's often just as cold. Because the belief is that if you were a true Christian, you wouldn't have those kinds of thoughts in your mind at all. But just like we don't know Judas's motivation, we don't know the motivation of others as well today. There's all kinds of reasons. So often a, people, a person is not thinking clearly. They don't comprehend the finality of their act. They don't realize exactly what they are doing. In many cases, it's, it's not even an attempt to end their life, but rather a desperate cry. I need some relief mentally or physically. Please come and help me. And so the church has historically said, in, in order <laughs> to curb the rate of suicide, to say that if you have tried to relieve your suffering in this life, you will suffer even more in the next. And the truth is, that was done by the early church, not according to Scripture, but as an edict, because the church was being persecuted so greatly. People were being burned at the stake. People were being crucified. People were being thrown to the lions. Christians were in the ring with the gladiators. They were being torn apart by wild dogs. And so in that attempt curb the suicides, the edict was made. Today we have an opportunity to bring something from the darkness into the light, and when it's in the light, that is when there is truly hope for those who are grieving, for those who are mourning the loss of loved ones, and in that moment when someone feels like there is no hope for them. Just a week ago, I was at the Northern Illinois District Convention. <clears throat> pastor Bill Yonker, a lot of you know him. He's the, the pastor at our sister Lutheran church, Emmanuel in East Dundee. He gave an essay, a verbal essay. And in that, he opined that there are three needs of all human beings, and I think that you can agree with him on this. Number one, that all people, all human beings, need to know that they are loved. It's a universal human need. And secondly, all people need to know that they are valued, that they have worth. And finally, all humans need to know that no matter what, we are never alone. And so then he went on and he told a little story about his growing up, and I could resonate with this, and I think a lot of you can as well. Do you remember your 16th birthday, anyone? Do you remember your 16th birthday? What often happens around that milestone? Maybe not exactly on that day, but what happens? You begin to drive, correct? You get your driver's license. And I remember that. You know that I grew up on the farm, and so 
I've been driving combines and tractors and pickup trucks all over the place. But now, when you get that license and you're out on the open road, you have a responsibility. And my dad came to talk to me, probably like your dad came to talk to a lot of you. And he took me aside and he simply said this, remember your last name. Right? Remember your name. Remember your last name. Why? Number one, because I don't want you to go out there and embarrass it. But that's the lesser thing. He said, I want you to remember your last name because of the greater thing. And that is this, that when you are out there and you are in trouble and you are in pain and you are hurting and you do not know what step to take ne next, remember your name. And remember your mother and father. And you can call us at any time and we will be there immediately regardless of what you have done. And Pastor Yonker then went on to say, Christians, remember your name. Remember the name that was given to you in your baptism. Remember Jesus Christ, the one who has died on the cross. Remember the one who has risen from the grave. Remember the one who lives in you. Remember the one whose body and blood we receive in the most intimate way as we eat and drink of that body and blood at the Lord's Supper. When you are in that moment of hopelessness and despair, remember Jesus Christ who willingly gave up his life because he loves you, because you are valued. Remember that you are never alone. And that same God whose name is in you and on you will be there to lift you up out of that pit. It is true that there must be payment. Payment for betrayal. Payment for sin. But the good news is, it's already been paid. Jesus has given his life for every sin, including the sin of suicide. There is no more guilt in that sin than any other. It is not unforgivable, for Christ has died for all. It is my prayer for you and for our church that we would continue to shine the light on something that we have not talked about in the future, to help those who are grieving for those that have been lost, and to give hope to those who believe that they don't have it that they might know, as we already do, that we are loved and we are valued and we are never alone. May God grant that for Jesus' sake. Amen.